This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg We're up to page 107. So we were discussing what is the attribute of Yaakov. Like Avram is kindness. What's the parallel of kindness to others? Avram also represents an inner approach to Hashem, how we approach Hashem, our own inner service to Hashem. So Avram represents love to Hashem. So too, Yaakov represents compassion, also represents a path to serving Hashem. How we get closer to Hashem through compassion. Compassion through evoking the mercy and the compassion in our own soul, our own neshama. But in order to evoke, to have compassion in the neshama, first we have to appreciate how far the neshama has come, how far the neshama has journeyed, how far, the neshama, how far away the neshama is from its own root, its own source, its own essence. That the neshama is a piece of Hashem and it traveled this distance till it entered into the body, into this physical world, corporal world. And when you realize how even the upper realms, even the higher worlds, are really what we call light, is really Tashem, it's darkness. Because even the upper worlds are insignificant in comparison to Tashem. So the Neshama entering into the framework of worlds, even the upper higher worlds, the illuminated worlds, it's already a tremendous traumatic experience for the Neshama, which comes from Hashem, peace of Hashem. How much more so when the Neshama travels further and all the way till it reaches the lowest, our world, the Neshama enters into the body. And then we add insult to injury and we do things to even throw mud in the neshama and even uh, we make it even more distant and alienated and further further away from its source. So you can imagine the Rahmanas you can have in your neshama. Just like you have Rahmanas in a human being. If you see a human being in a sorry state, it evokes sense of sense of Rahmanas. You have compassion for that human So why are we worse off? Why shouldn't we have a little Rahmanas now in neshama? Why are we treating our neshama so cruelly? Mercilessly. You have no Rahmanas. Look at the Nisham. The is crying out in pain. And we can do something for the Nisham. What can you do for the Nisham? Do a study a little Torah, like you're doing right now. Do a mitzvah. Do something godly. Do something divine. So the more you evoke a sense of Rahmanas, the more this is a very strong stimulant. It's a very strong. Um, inspiration for the neshama to, for you, for the person to come close to Hashem, or wake you up when a person is sinking in the darkness of the world, in the quagmire in the earth coarseness of this world when you evoke the Rachmanus in the neshama, that could awaken 
that can awaken you, that can inspire you to wake up and to, and to tend to the needs of the Nisham. This is a path to the service of Hashem. So now we're focusing on the idea of how far the Nishama has fallen. What a roller coaster ride it is for the Nishama. What a descent, a plunge it is for the Nishama from the peak to the abyss. So he said that even the upper worlds are insignificant in comparison to Hashem. Why? Because the entire world is created with one letter of Hashem's name. It's like we discussed at great length in the previous letter with the Yud, Hashem created the world to come. And with the Hey, Hashem creates this world. So the Yud, the Yud, it's one letter. So all of the energy and all of the life force and all of the vitality of the upper worlds comes from one single letter of Hashem's name. So it's a gleam, it's a reflection of one letter of Hashem's name. So you can imagine how insignificant it is in comparison to all the upper worlds. So it's insignificant in comparison to the source of Hashem Himself. Okay, so we left off. Now it is in this radiation and reflection. Now it is in this radiation and reflection which is an extension of the life-giving energy that flows from Hashem's blessed name to animate higher and lower beings, that there is a distinction and difference with respect to higher and lower beings. To Hashem himself, there is no difference, higher or lower. The whole difference in higher and lower is only in this, in this reflection, in this very minute energy which is only a glimmer of a ray, of a reflection of Hashem's name, there you have distinctions. There's, higher, there's a hierarchy, there's a higher world, there's a lower world. But to Hashem Himself, there's no higher and there's no lower. They're both equally insignificant. It's not like one is more valuable, and one is more precious, and one is closer to Hashem, and one is more distant to Hashem. They're both equally insignificant, meaningless, irrelevant. Like, it's like to use a, a human analogy it's like to us the, the top of the anthill the bottom of the anthill it's not like oh top of the anthill okay that's the upper east side of the anthill that's, that's the prime property and the bottom of the anthill is the slums the bottom and the top it's all the same it means nothing it's completely insignificant it's like a drop in the ocean you take out the drop of the ocean okay now the top of the ocean now that's that's prime real estate that's very the bottom of the drop, that's insignificant. <laughs> the ocean, the whole drop, the top, the bottom, the whole drop is, is insignificant, it's meaningless. Matter of fact, when the drop is part of the ocean, there is no drop. What, what drop? Uh, all there is is the ocean. The drop doesn't even exist. It means nothing. So all these differences and distinctions that we make, higher realms, lower realms, spiritual, material, upper, higher, light, dark, these are all relative distinctions to us. Very important distinctions. But to Hashem, in comparison to the infinite, no distinction in a million and one. They're both equally insignificant in comparison, in comparison to the infinite. Like you have many, many, uh, you have the spectrum. You know, we only see at the, the very end of the spectrum. So to us, there's a big difference in the spectrum, in different levels of light. And 
But in comparison to the the whole spectrum, our what we see, we don't see it. It's, it's completely insignificant. Or sound, we're only able to hear the the lowest lowest level. But in comparison to a higher level, our whole range we call loud, barely a whisper. That whole range to us, it's the whole it's the, it's the whole world. It's all there is, and it's like you know, this is our whole universe, and it's so important, significant. It, it's it's all the same. It completely flattens it out. It means nothing. So this whole distinction that we create, the whole universe that we create, there's a higher and there's a lower, there's heaven and there's earth, and there's this. Is, all these distinctions are relative from our human perspective, from our limited perspective. These are significant differences. There's a huge difference in heaven and earth, spiritual and material. Upper and higher, lower. But in comparison to Hashem, in comparison to the source, what's it's all the same. It means absolutely nothing. It's not like the uh, it means absolutely nothing. So our universe is very, very limited. But he's saying not only our universe is limited, the physical universe, the entire universe, including the spiritual universe. The Ilam Hava, which includes all the higher realms and all the angels and all the high levels of consciousness, all of the heavens and the heavens of heavens, the entire universe is one Yud. One Yud. And this world is, hey, two letters of Hashem's name. It's completely insignificant to Hashem. So this whole tumult that we call the universe, to Hashem there's no higher, there's no lower, there's no distinction. They're both equally insignificant, both equally completely irrelevant, meaningless. But in our universe, within this glimmer of a ray, there are distinctions. There's a stronger ray, there's a weaker ray, there's, you have all these distinctions. So within us, suddenly it becomes, within this drop, there's a drop, okay, you have the top of the drop, and you have the bottom of the drop, and you have, you have all, these, all these different levels. It, it assumes a significance, then you have all these distinctions, continue. That there is a distinction and difference with respect to higher and lower beings. So that this world was created through the letter Hay and so on, while the higher worlds were created through the letter Yud. As explained in the previous epistle, this lowly corporeal world receives its vitality only from the matter or body of the letters of the supernal speech, which in turn derives from the letter Hay of the divine name. The higher worlds, however, receive their vitality from the form or soul of these letters. And this derives from the level of Chochmah represented by the Yud of the divine name. However, the, these different modes in which, life, in which the life-giving influence of the divine name is diffused to the upper and lower worlds respectively relate only to the radiation and reflection of the divine name, they do not relate to Hashem's essence. We uh, learned in the previous letter at great length that the hay represents the uh, the breath, ha, which is what formulates, physically formulates the letters. The letters come from the breath. It comes from, and as it goes through the different different formulations of the mouth and the tongue and the lip, you get the different letters. So the physical formulation of the letter comes from the letter hey. But the letters themselves really are rooted in the yud. 
and the point of the yud, the, the subconscious. Because where do letters come from? The act of moving the mouth and moving the lips and formulating the letters is a completely unselfconscious act. It, it comes, we're completely, we can go through our entire life. Most people have no clue. Stop anyone in the street. Stop ourselves. <laughs> How we formulate the letters. Who even notices? Who even knows? It's not like we ever studied it and then we forgot it. We never sat down and studied it. It's automatically. You don't even think about it. How does the bays? Who stops and thinks? Okay, bays, let me put my lips together. It goes without thinking because it's formulated through the subconscious. So letters themselves are really rooted in the subconscious. And that's the yud. But the physical sound of the letter, that comes from the breath. That's the hay. So the physicality, the external part, that of the hay of the letters, that, that creates this world, which is an external world, the physical world, the material world. All we notice and all we see and all we focus on is on the body and the physical, the external, the surface, the skin deep. But the internal, this is represented by the yud, and that's represented in the upper realms and the higher realms, the spiritual realms, that's the inner, the energy, the, the, the inner life force and vitality. That's, that's what's focused, and that's the focus in this, what sense in the higher realms. But nevertheless, both the Yud and the He are merely a radiation, a reflection, a glimmer of a ray of Hashem's name. And even the name, what is a name? The name itself is completely external and superficial. A name is not part of you. If you don't have a name, are you missing a limb? It's not like you cut off a finger, you lost a finger, you lost an arm, God forbid. What happens if you don't have a name? What happens? Are you any less of a person because you don't have a name? You're missing anything? You're missing nothing. What? You might be gay. <laughs> the government can't find you. <laughs> what the... You don't have a name. It's not like a piece of you, a piece of your... A name is a label. It's a handle. It's for other people to identify you. Everyone, says, everyone has a distinct name. But a name doesn't add anything to the person. It's not part of the person. So Hashem's name is just a reflection of Hashem. It's not even a piece of Hashem. It's just Hashem's name. It's completely external, superficial to Hashem. And even Hashem's name, it's not the it's a yud of Hashem's name, the hay of Hashem's name. So it's a reflection, a, gl- a glimmer of a ray. It's a reflection of a, of a reflection. So the whole universe, the whole frame of reference of the universe, is really a reflection of a reflection. So Hashem is completely significant. It's like for us, for us, the whole our whole universe is the five senses. Like you say, we can't even imagine. You can't think outside the box. We can't imagine of a seventh sense, of an eighth sense. Why not? We have good imaginations. Try to imagine an ear, an eye. Imagine another sense. It's impossible. You can imagine Martian ears, a thousand ears. But it's all the variations of what we know. You can't think out of the box. Hashem is limited to five senses. Hashem could have created ten senses, a hundred senses, a thousand senses, a million senses, a billion, trillion, infinite senses. So the whole frame of reference, our whole frame of reference, is completely insignificant. It's, not, it's less than the drop of the ocean in comparison to the ocean. It's completely meaningless. So this whole tumult and this whole bureaucracy of, of universe, with all the angels and the realms and different dimensions, and it's a glimmer of a ray. It's completely insignificant. 
So all these distinctions only exist within this very, very limited frame, framework. Okay. Moreover, any name is a mere reflection of the essence of the entity name. A person's name, for example, is not his essence, it merely reflects it. It is merely a means of relating to another person. In the same way, the divine name is merely a reflection of the essence of the divine. Until now, the Alter Rebbe has spoken in general terms of the differences between the higher and lower world. Okay. This distinction between higher and lower is only makes sense from our limited point of view. From a higher point of view, what we call higher, what we call lower, there's no higher, there's no lower. It's all the same. And now he's going to say even more specifically, within each world, all the distinctions and differentiations that define our world and mark our world, again, only has significance in only in our frame of reference. From a higher point of view, all of these definitions and markings really mean absolutely nothing. Also, all the variety of details within each world is determined by differences in the combinations of the letters through which they were created. So, too, the distinctions between the temporal dimensions of past, present, and future. Every entity is unique, has its own unique characteristics, nature. There are no two things that are alike, no two snowflakes that are alike. Everything in this world is unique. But where does this uniqueness come from? It comes from the different combinations of the letters. And it's like in chemistry, you put different combinations together and you get different results. So again, it's only from the letters, from the point of view of the letters, you mix the letters around, so you get different entities, distinct entities. But if you go any deeper beyond the letters, there is no, all these distinctions fall by the wayside. It's like Rabbi Hanina ben Daisa, his wife ran out of uh, oil to burn. So he said, don't worry, fill it up with uh, vinegar. And whoever said that oil should burn will say that vinegar should burn. What's the difference? <laughs> Only oil has to burn. Vinegar can burn. Or Avram, when he was in the furnace, in the fire. And he's for three days... Nimrod threw him into the fire to burn him, or caused him. It didn't burn anything. Avram was like in the, it was like in a garden. He was on a vacation, walking around, enjoying himself. Nothing burned. What do you, how is it possible that fire is burning and it didn't burn? Because again, everything that exists, the reason why nature is so rigid is because it's the letters. It's the letters that define it, and letters don't change. But once you get beyond the letters, once you get to what's inside the letter, the letters are insignificant. It's like a, a student who's repeating what he learned from his teacher. He doesn't really understand what he learned. So he could only repeat word for word. So he's stuck with those letters. So those letters are very rigid. But if you understand the concept behind the letters, you can say the same thing in so many different ways. So if you understand the concept behind letters, you're not trapped in the letters. Suddenly it's not rigid anymore. 
So nature is the world, Hashem created the world with the letters, so everything is very rigid and it doesn't change. But if you're able to tap into and sense what's inside, the dynamic, the divine energy that's inside the letters, then you can turn the letters around. Vinegar will burn. The Baal loved light, and once they ran out of candles, Baal said, no problem, take the icicles off the roof. <laughs> they lit the icicles, and the icicles lit. Who says, who says icicles can't light? Who says only, only, only candles can light? Because if you're the Baal Shem Tev, and you're Rabbi Ben Daisa, and you're Avram Avinu, you sense the godliness, you're in touch with what's in, within, not the external, not the, the, the surface. You're in touch with the godliness, then you can just change the letters around. And, and fire doesn't burn. And vinegar burns, and icicles burn. So, all these distinctions that we have in our world that differentiate, that fragments one from the other and differentiates one from the other and creates this multiplicity and this variety, and it all comes from the letters. It's limited to the letters, and it comes from the letters, because the letters are combined differently, and therefore you end up with a variety of different distinct entities. But once you get a little beyond the letters, you don't sense there's no difference. All these di- distinctions mean absolutely not. You know, we're all made up of this of atoms. You know, once you get beneath the external level, even beyond the chemical level, you get to the atomic level. It, it's it's energy. It's pure energy. Matter is pure energy. Then. You know, it changes how you look at everything, how you see everything. So all these rigid distinctions, the one and the other, is only when you're stuck on the surface level. So on the surface level, you become very rigid, unchangeable, unbudgeable, and therefore, just like in our own personal lives, the more egotistical we are, the more rigid we are. We can't change. We can't budge, we can't change. The more predictable we are. The more we change, the more we stay the same. But if you're able to get beyond your ego and you're able to get to touch your neshama, then all bets are off. Anything is possible. The world is being renewed each and every moment and you can change. And Nothing is stuck. Nothing is... So on a surface level, everything appears to be rigid. But do you know how many cells are created every second? What, what is it? Seven million? I mean, it's, it's, it's off the charts. Even on a chemical level, it's, it's things are happening that we can't even... It's dynamic. It's, not, it's fluid. It's not rigid. And if you get to the atomic level, forget about it. It's, it's a whole different... So it's all a matter of which perspective you're looking at. If you're looking at it... All these distinctions and fragmentation come from a very superficial level, from the letters, which is the most superficial of all. But the moment you get beyond that, all these... Fra- there's, there's no fragmentation anymore. There's unity. No, all these distinctions mean absolutely nothing. You realize everything is one. Everything is part of one. But, when you, but externally, everything is very distinct. Everything is very fragmented. So these, all these distinctions come from the letters, which is the most external and superficial part of it all. So true the distinction between the temporal dimensions of past, present, and future, and all the variety of events throughout the changing times. All of these two are determined by differences in the combinations of the letters. Because every 
all the distinctions, past, present, future, and also every time has its own energy. Every day has its own energy. Every moment, every hour, every moment. Every time has its unique, unique energy, unique quality. Where do all these distinctions come from? What distinguishes Sunday from Monday from Tuesday? Every day has its own energy. It all depends on the letters. The letters are the, are the channels through which the energy comes into this world. So based on the names and the letters and the co- different combinations, we end up with different, just like we end up with distinct objects, we also end up with distinct time. Every minute has its own flavor, every hour has its own flavor, its own energy, every day has its own, every generation has its own unique energy. Things, challenges, and there's a special energy in every, every time. So all these distinctions and differences come from the letters. When you change the letters, you get all these different combinations, and you get all these different variety. Variety of objects, variety of time. So these combinations of letters are the conduits of the life-giving force that proceeds from attributes of God, plus be his name. As explained in Lakute Amar, Amarim, part 2, chapter 11. Deary explained that the letters, words and letters, express your emotions. So they communicate and convey these emotions. So yes, the energy comes from Hashem's emotions. But they're channeled through the letters. And they're communicated and conveyed through the letters. And therefore, you have Sunday, for example, is the attribute of Hashem's kindness is revealed. That's why on Sunday you have light was created. And water this is a reflection of the attribute of kindness. And Monday has its own unique energy. And Tuesday has its own unique energy. So these are the letters that are conveying and communicating. Because letters are just vehicles. Letters are just containers. They, they're vehicles. They transport. You're communicating what you're feeling. You're expressing a thought. You're expressing a feeling. So these letters are expressing Hashem's feelings, but when they're expressed in words and letters, they are channeled. And therefore, you get all these very defined, rigid distinctions and, and um, differentiation. So all of these time and space and past and present and future, and all this comes from the letters which are like the lowest level, the last level, the lowest level within the person are the letters with which we communicate. That's the end, that's the bottom, that's the lowest level, the ability to communicate and to convey what we're feeling to others outside of us. So, all of this, all of this is merely Hashem's ray, a glimmer of a ray of Hashem that's able to be contained in the letters and channeled through the letters. Because the letters actually channel the energy. But they only channel the external energy. So it's the, the ray of Hashem, as it is, you're starting out with only the ray of Hashem. And then this ray is further channeled through all the letters which creates this multiplicity. Because before the letters, you don't have a multiplicity. You have unity. Where do you get the multiplicity of creations? That's what Al-Tarevi explains in the second part of the Tanya. 
chapter 11, which you can listen to, thank God, LessonsInTanya.com. Where do you get the multiplicity of existence? You get it through the letters. When the level of emotion and the level is expressed in the letters, and therefore this creates this world that we know, this huge world as we know it, with the different levels and higher and lower, and within each world itself, such a multiplicity of beings and existence and, and time and space and so many distinctions, and every one is so unique. So this all comes from the letters. All the above-mentioned differences are to be found only in the flow of vitality, which emanates from Hashem's attributes, and which then descends through the letters of His creative speech. That is, for His blessed being essence, it is written, I, Hashem, have not changed, as a result of creation. So Hashem hasn't changed. To Hashem, all of these distinctions doesn't affect them whatsoever. And it's as if it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean anything. It's not like Hashem is... You know, when we speak, we are changed. We are affected. A teacher teaches. A teacher is affected. He's a changed person. Before he taught, while he's teaching, after he teaches. It changes him. It affects him. Hashem remains completely unaffected that all of creation is completely meaningless and insignificant. So it's not like Hashem invests himself and is affected by it and changed by it. Hashem remains completely unchanged. So, all, so to Hashem, there are no distinctions. Even while he's creating. All these distinctions are only from our human perspective, our very limited perspective. But from the ultimate perspective, from the true perspective, from Hashem's point of view, Nothing changed. Just like Hashem was alone before He created the world, He's alone after He created the world. There's no higher, there's no lower. It's not like the higher is closer to Hashem than the lower. It's not like the lower is further away from Hashem than the higher. The physical is further away from Hashem than the spiritual, or the spiritual is closer to Hashem than the physical. To Hashem, the angel and the human being, and not, not only the angel, even the divine emanation of wisdom, the highest level. Hashem, that, and your finger is all the same. <laughs> Just like you can't touch Hashem with your finger, you can't touch Hashem through supernal wisdom, through, through divine, through wisdom. Hashem, there's no higher, there's no lower. It is all completely insignificant, because Hashem is so transcendent, Hashem is so beyond. Not only Hashem is infinite, Hashem is transcendent, He's beyond the whole frame of reference. The whole frame of reference of the universe, Hashem is, is meaningless. But Hashem, there's no higher, there's no lower. And that's what the Navi is trying to tell us, and it's so important to drill it, drill it into us, to realize that Hashem, there's no higher, there's no lower. There's no hierarchy, all these distinctions, and it means nothing to Hashem. Soul, the body, heaven, earth, material, spiritual, consciousness, high levels of consciousness, sense of touch, it's... it's Hashem, it's all the same. Like Moshe said, me and the animal are all the same in comparison to Hashem. My understanding and the animal's understanding to Hashem is all the same. Because Hashem is so beyond us. So to appreciate, to appreciate how the distance between us and Hashem, no matter how brilliant we are and how evolved we are and how refined there's an unbridgeable gap between us and Hashem. Hashem is so beyond us. 
know, we can't straightjacket Hashem. We can't create God in our own image. God is, Hashem is so beyond anything we can possibly imagine. Which is the third of the Jewish principles of faith, 13 principles. Hashem is beyond our imagination. We can't imagine Hashem. Hashem is beyond anything we can possibly conceive or imagine. Or, or He's so beyond us. So this is very important for us to, to get, to understand, to appreciate. Because if you want to evoke a sense of Rahmanas in our soul, our neshama, which is a piece of Hashem, because you have to know where the neshama comes from. The home of the neshama. And how the universe, the neshama can never feel at home in this universe. Just like Hashem is alone, just so too the neshama is alone. The neshama is a loner. No one understands Hashem and no one understands the Jew. Not only the anti-Semite that has a problem with Jews. <laughs> the angels also have problems with us. <laughs> it's because neshama is a piece of Hashem. So to understand the depth of Rahmanas and the Neshama, what the Neshama has to endure, the trauma of the Neshama, the Neshama has to come into this universe, into this whole frame of reference, even in the higher realms. It's already a, a traumatic experience. Isn't that a punishment? Well, it's a punishment if we don't fulfill the mission of the Neshama. If we fulfill the mission of the neshama, every moment that we're busy fulfilling the mission of the neshama, then we're fulfilling the mission of the neshama, then it's all worthwhile. But any moment that we're not fulfilling the mission of the neshama, that's the worst punch. Because then all this trauma is unjustifiable. For what? For when? Then you have Rahmanas. You see the neshama being tortured in a concentration camp. You have your heart has to go out. So I'm not going to make it worse and, and, and do something that will, God forbid, do something wrong, sin, do something that will even add to the pain of the neshama. And I'll do whatever I can to soothe this pain. And to, because when the neshama is studying Torah, doing a mitzvah, doing something godly and holy, then the neshama is reconnects to its essence and the Sham feels at home. You gave it a respite, you gave it a rest, you gave it a... And, and then it's justifying its being, its experience. But if you don't do something to justify that experience, that is the worst punishment. Then the Sham is suffering in vain. And then your heart has to go out. So if you have a little mercy, a little compassion, you can't help but have a little Rahmanas, no owner Sham. So that's what that's why he's giving us this whole introduction. The more you reflect, and the more you meditate, and the more you realize the connection, the relationship of Hashem to the world, and how to Hashem there's no relationship. There's no. It's not like Hashem is up there and we're here. To say that Hashem is up there means that there's a relationship. When you say up there. It means that there's a relationship. Hashem is up there and we're down here. But there's, but there's a relationship. To be able to say up and down means there's some relationship. He's saying Hashem is so transcendent. There's no relationship. He can't even say Hashem is up there. There's no up and there's no down. 
We simply don't exist. It's not like we're down here and Hashem is up there. Hashem is not up there. We're not down here. We simply don't exist. Hashem's radar, we don't exist even. We're, we're non-entity. We're completely insignificant. Ani Hashem That's what the Navi is trying to tell us, the Prophet. I Hashem. Hashem says, I haven't changed. What do you mean you haven't changed? It's all the world, all the universe. You'll say Hashem is up here and we're down here. He says, no, it's not even that. It's not, I'm not even up there, you're down here. You simply don't even exist. That's how far Hashem is. You can't even say Hashem is up there. We say, the one above, because we're speaking in human terms, so we say, Hashem is up there, in heaven, and we're down here. But the truth is, you can't even say Hashem is up there. Because, that, because that, that means that there's some relationship. There's so not a relationship. We're so insignificant, you can't even say there's no up and there's no down. So why are we praying? <laughs> what? Hang in there. See, uh, this, this, uh, this gets you a little excited. And you're more confused. <laughs> This changes your whole relationship to Hashem. <laughs> Suddenly it's a whole different story. It's not just uh, what we think, or religious people think, uh, I, you know, God up there. It's not. That's religion. That's, that's not Judaism. To say God is up there means that there is some sort of relationship. We're so far, it's not, it's not even a relationship. So who is Job? We're not down, there's no up, there's nothing. Who is Job talking about? Now, of course we're talking to Hashem. That, that's, that already we discussed already. That, as he's going to say in a moment. One second. Neither A, in terms of changes in progression from the uppermost level to the nethermost. For just as he is present in the higher world, so is he present in precisely the same measure in the netherworlds. Since from his perspective, there is absolutely no difference between them. All are equally distant from him. For no thought can apprehend him at all, even in the higher world. As is explained in the Amar in part 1, chapter 51. So, on the contrary, because Hashem, you can't even say Hashem is up there, you can't even say because that, that connotes that there's some sort of relationship. Hashem is so transcendent, you can't even say He's up and we're down. There's absolutely no relation, no connection. Therefore, Hashem is right here. Where's Hashem? He's not up there. He's not distant and remote. He's right here. Hashem is immediate. Hashem is actual. Hashem is here and now. What normal lamb calls radical imminence. Hashem is right here. There's no there, up there, distant, remote, removed. Hashem is up there. That's a religious person. He puts Hashem in the seventh heavens. Up there, somewhere way up there. Some, some heavenly spiritual abode. Hashem exists. But in my world, in my business, in my office, in my bedroom, in my thoughts, in my daily life. Hashem is up there when I stand by the wall, special moments in my life. But my daily life. But when you realize there is no up and there is no down, you can't even say Hashem is up there because it means that there's some sort of relationship. Hashem is so be Hashem is so transcendent. We can't even Hashem is so beyond. What does that mean? It's not that Hashem is more remote. On the contrary, that means Hashem is right here. Hashem is here, He's there, He's everywhere. There's no up, there's no down, He's right, left, wherever Hashem is. There is nothing else. 
All there is is Hashem. So, Hashem is actual, Hashem is immediate, it means me, it means here, it means now. So suddenly Hashem comes to life in the country. Hashem becomes so real and so tangible. So fundamental, so, so real. So it's on the country. That's why prayer, you pray directly to Hashem. I'm not praying up there. I'm praying directly to Hashem. Baruch Atah. Blessed are you. Like you're talking face to face. Direct. It's a direct connection. A direct. No intermediaries. Direct. Person to person. Because that's all that exists. The whole universe is boiled down to consciousness. Personal consciousness. It's you and Hashem. There's nothing else. This whole bureaucracy, the whole universe, there's no, there's no in between. There's no, there's Hashem is up there, and there's a whole universe, and I'm all the way in the bottom. It's direct. There's nothing standing in the way. There's nothing in between. It's your conscience talking directly to Hashem. Personal relationship. Person to person. That's what it all boils down to. The whole universe dissolves. All that exists is you and Hashem talking. Communicating. So on the contrary, this makes Hashem immediate. This makes Hashem real. This makes it all come alive. It's counterintuitive, but that's, but that's the Yiddishkeit. That's what's unique about Yiddishkeit. To the Yid, it's not religion. It's not this impersonal, spiritual energy force in heaven, way up in heaven. It's personal. We believe in a personal God. I am God who took you out of Egypt. I took you by the hand and I took you out of Egypt. It's personal. It's person to person. Your consciousness and Hashem directly. As he explained in Lakuti Amar in part 1, chapter 51. The higher and lower words differ in relation to the stream of light and energy that flows forth from the only difference is what we distinguish, what we call higher and we call lower is in relation to the glimmer of the ray, the energy that flows from it, the light of Hashem. So there we make distinctions where the energy is more revealed in the spiritual realms that sense the energy and are nullified before the energy it's a higher realm. And the more they sense the energy and the more they're nullified before the energy, the more egoless they are. That's a higher realm, a higher levels of being, a higher levels of consciousness, a higher level of angels, spiritual beings. Versus a lower level is where our world, we don't even sense that there's a source. You don't even sense that there's a creator. You don't even sense that there's a root. You don't sense the energy. All you sense is the body, the physical, the shell, the external, the material. So that, that's what distinguishes the higher and lower. So all these distinctions are only relative to us. They're relative distinctions, relative descriptions. Like modern physics says, it's all relative. All the words and language that we're using. And the truth is, that's what he said earlier. All the worlds exist only in language. Because it's relative descriptions of, we're trying to describe time and space. and Really, we're trying to describe something that's inherently infinite. But our minds are just too, we can't comprehend infinity. So our whole universe is our words and letters 
trying to define time and space and we operate in this frame of reference. But it's not an absolute reality. It's, 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 it's our relative understanding of and putting it into words. So our whole universe is, exists within our words, our concepts. That's our entire frame of reference. But once you get beyond words and beyond concepts and beyond, which is the true nature of reality, it's, it's, it's all these distinctions mean nothing. What we call time, we call space, it's absolutely meaningless. It's, it's, it's infinite. It's, today with modern physics, it's a lot easier to understand a lot of these ideas. Because all roads lead to Jerusalem. They're, they're, they're in, in the scientists in the laboratories coming to the same realizations and the same conclusions. And this is a very humbling realization. When you realize how insignificant and how infinite the universe, the infinite reality is, and our whole, what we call, we can't even talk anything with certainty, just words and letters trying to approximations and trying to put into words something that's really beyond words. That's really what we're trying to do. And that's our whole frame of reference. It's not an absolute, it's just a relative from our human limited finite perspective. But it doesn't affect reality. Reality itself remains infinite. And so in comparison to reality, we, we, our whole reality is completely insignificant. So Sadek is not restricted to these dimensions, to these are reality? That's why a Tzadik could perform miracles, exactly. Because since a Tzadik is in touch with the infinite, he lives a life of the infinite. He lives a life that's beyond nature. He's able to rise above his nature. He doesn't follow his nature. He doesn't follow his urges. He doesn't follow his instincts. He follows Hashem, the inner, the divine, the godly. And therefore, he's able, he's not limited to the world of nature. Therefore, he can perform miracles. He can reveal the infinite and perform miracles. And reveal within the fire, the fire doesn't burn. And reveal within the vinegar that the vinegar burns just like oil. Because the tzaddik is in touch with the, the infinite, the other pr- perspective. So it's like, it's like, it's like two sides of a, of, of a scene. You know, we see one thing. On the other side, you see a whole different, a whole different picture, a whole different perspective. So from our, our limited perspective, we see one picture. But the reality is a whole different picture. We can't see that picture. But the tzaddik is able to tap into, by leading a godly life, and rising above nature, he's able to tap into that godly perspective, and therefore he's able to perform miracles. He's able to change nature. And that's a Jew's mission in general by leading a life of Torah and mitzvah, by rising above nature, we're able to reveal within nature the miracle within nature. And therefore suddenly, look, we were around 3,800 years later, we're still around. We had the mighty Romans, the mighty Greeks. There's no natural way, there's no logical way to explain. We had anti-Semites going at us the last 3,800 years, relentless, non-stop. Just yesterday came out in the news again, the president basically sold Israel to Iran sold them down the drain, basically allowing Iran to develop nuclear weapons. Iran stated openly that America surrendered to us. Shamelessly, the president says we have to try peace. But 
This, this relentless anti-Semitism has gone on for 3,800 years relentless. There's no logical explanation how the Jewish people, this tiny, stubborn people that bother so many, so many, <laughs> that we're still here. When, when our president will long be forgotten, we're still going to be around. And um, there's no logical explanation. But when you're in touch with godliness, every Jew that's alive today, our ancestors for thousands of years without an interruption kept the Torah, kept the mitzvah. So when we're connected to something godly, we have a godly, miraculous survival. There's no way to explain Israel's survival. No logical explanation with the Jewish people's survival. When the Jew forgets for a moment and he starts explaining it away rationally, that's when he, he loses it. Yeah, that, that, right. Then the, the non-Jew is there to remind him, whom are you kidding? You know, you're a Jew and you will never let you forget and stop pretending otherwise and just act like one and get your act together already. But there's no logical explanation. So when a Jew lives a godly life, when we're connected to the divine, when we study Torah and do mitzvah, we rise above nature, we're able to reveal within nature the miraculous. And therefore we succeed within nature, we succeed. And the person who follows the Torah, the Torah says, you'll see in your personal life, in your business, in your personal life, you'll see success. If you follow the Torah and the mitzvah, God promises you, you'll see miraculously in your personal life, everything will go well. You'll find a shidduch, a good shidduch, and you'll have a happy marriage, and you'll be successful, and you'll have children, and you'll be blessed with children, and, and the children will be blessed. All the things that we wish in life, it's, it's a divine miracle that happens in nature, because when you lead a godly life, a Jewish life, then you reveal within nature, and that's a Jew's mission, to reveal within nature the infinite, to reveal the other perspective, the divine perspective. The Torah is really giving us reality from God's point of view. We are limited to our point of view, which is hopelessly limited and rigid and blocked and closed, shut down. But when you live the Torah, the Torah is a gift. God is allowing us to live reality from His point of view, from the infinite point of view, and to reveal that within the world. And then you see a miraculous, supernatural success within nature. Just like the the, um, vinegar lights up and the fire doesn't burn. So you see in your life, in your personal life, you see Hashem is with you every step of the way. And you see miracle after miracle and success. And you open your eyes, you realize that it's all, it's all miraculous. And, and we draw this down through Torah and Mitzvah. But the tzaddik is the one who, and on a very open level, on a very open level, and the greater the tzaddik, like the Baal the Rebbe, the greater the tzaddik, the miracles are like astounding and <laughs> earth-shattering and completely beyond nature. Because when you live a life that's completely beyond nature, the miracles are also off, off the charts. When you live a life that's off the charts, the miracles you perform are also off the charts. You know, it's all... But the truth is the Jewish people as a whole are really miraculous people divine godly people so yes, so you're right they're able to rise above the letters and above the words and above the they, they go deeper and therefore they're able to bring the other point of view the deeper point of view now in terms of temporal changes is there any difference between, um, from Hashem's perspective for just as he was alone one and a week before this 
So he's saying, so even through time, it makes no difference to Hashem. Not only was Hashem alone before He created the world, or after the world will come to an end, but even Hashem, while He's creating the world, there is no difference. Hashem remains completely alone. The world does not affect Hashem whatsoever. It means nothing. It doesn't affect them whatsoever. So now he's going to explain, how is that possible? How can you say that the world doesn't change Hashem? What do you mean? Before he created the world, there was no world. Now there's Hashem in the world. You can say the world is, in comparison to Hashem, like a light in the candle in comparison to the sun. But you can't say that the light doesn't exist. There's the sun, and now I have a candle. Because the candle doesn't add anything. But you can't say that the candle, there's a change. Before there was only the sun, now there's a sun, and I'm holding a candle. I added some light. Maybe it's not an important light. Maybe it doesn't add anything much. But how could you say nothing changed? Hashem was alone before He created the world, and now He's alone even while He's creating the world. What do you mean? Before we didn't exist, now we do exist. So... As insignificant as we are, how can you say we don't, there's no change? It's as if, you're saying as if we simply don't exist, as if nothing ever happened. How's that, how, how can we say that? Okay, how can God's... This is so because everything is absolutely as nothing and not in relation to His being and essence. Just as a single letter of a man's speech, or even of his thoughts, is of ab- absolute consequence in relation to the entire being and essence of the rational soul. So, as we explained at great length, chapter twenty and twenty-one in the Tanya, the first part, the human analogy that. Not only is the universe insignificant, it's the Tanya that we're learning these days, actually, in the Chitas. We're reading these days. But not only is the universe insignificant in comparison to Hashem, but even the divine energy that's creating the universe, which is the divine letters and Hashem's speech, the energy that's creating the universe is insignificant in comparison to Hashem, who's the speaker. Just like within a human being. Human being's ability to speak. When a person speaks a few words, does it have any significance? It's a non-event. What happened? Stop the presses. Call a press conference. (laughs) He spoke a few words. Great news. What happened? Nothing. He spoke a few words. What are a few words? In comparison to all the words we speak in our lifetime, what's a few words? And, and what are words and, and how potential is we can speak infinite words. So what are, what are a few words? Nothing. And go deeper. Words have thoughts. So what are words in comparison to thoughts? Every word that I speak, every thought that I speak, if I think for a, a minute I need five minutes to speak, words are insignificant in comparison to the sorts of words which are thought. But even, but even thought is really a form of speech. It's just speaking to yourself instead of others. But go a little deeper. What's the source of thought, of words? Your feelings. You don't love in French or in any language. Love is an experience. It's personal. It's beyond words. All the words in the world can't adequately describe a genuine love. So what are words in comparison to the source of words? Meaningless. Nothing. Insignificant. It doesn't add anything. It means nothing. Go even deeper. What, 
causes the emotion, the idea, the comprehension, the understanding. Understanding completely transcends language and culture altogether. That's why the communist uh, scientist can have a perfect rapport with his <laughs> capitalist counterpart. Two plus two is four, is raw intellect. It's raw science, raw intellect. It's, it transcends culture. Pure understanding. What does it have to do with language, culture, words? And then go deeper, the subconscious. It completely transcends language altogether. And then go deeper, the essence of the person. So, so a person spoke ten words. What are these ten words in comparison to the person who's speaking these ten words? Behind the words is thought, and behind the thought is emotion, and behind the emotion is intellect, and behind the intellect is subconscious, and the essence of the person. What are these ten words in comparison to the person? Does it add anything? It's a completely insignificant, but inherently meaningless event. The person remains unchanged. He did speak, he didn't speak. It, it doesn't mean anything. So multiply that infinite times in comparison to Hashem. Hashem speaks, which is the divine energy with which Hashem creates the world. In other words, Hashem's creative ability. Hashem's ability to create the world. This ability within Hashem is completely insignificant. It's almost as, as if Hashem can't even find it within Himself. Just like you don't find words in yourself. When, you, when you're engaged in the pure concept, you don't even notice the words. The words are there, but they're insignificant. I'm not saying the words are not real. The, word is not, the world is not an illusion. God created the world. It says in the Torah, Hashem spoke and the world came into being. These are Hashem's words. These are, this is the divine creative energy that Hashem has to create something from nothing. But it's almost as if He can't even find it within Himself. It's so meaningless. This is not what Hashem is doing, what Hashem does. It's not like religion. Religion says, this is what God does. You know what God does? A God is one who creates a world. Only a God can create. It's a significant thing. God is creating a world. Hashem is creating a world. That's something very significant, very monumental. Comes along the Torah and says, Hashem created the world with ten words. This is not what God does. God creates a world. He can't even find it within himself. The ability to create is so meaningless. It's so insignificant. It's like within ourselves. We can't even find the words and letters. When you go to the raw, the source, the raw source, the letters are there because you come up with the words. They're your words. They didn't come from thin air. But while they're within you, you can't even find it. It means nothing. It adds nothing. It's completely insignificant. So the source, Hashem's ability to create the world in comparison to Hashem, is meaningless. So therefore, all of the worlds are completely insignificant. If the source of the world, which is Hashem's creative energy, is insignificant in comparison to Hashem, the world itself, all the worlds, the higher world, lower world, is completely insignificant. So Hashem remains completely unaffected, unchanged by all of creation. The whole tumult of the universe, the whole hoo-ha, Hashem, he was alone before, he was alone after. Of course, of course he's creating it. That's an illusion. It says in the Torah he creates. But what are creations? Hashem's words. What are words? Words are nothing. Where are the words? The words are within Hashem. While they're within Hashem, they don't exist. They exist, but they don't exist. They're, they exist, they're, they're exist in a state of non-being and non-existence. So from Hashem's point of view, they're in a state of non-being and non-existence completely egoless. All there is is really Hashem. There's nothing else. So nothing changed. Before, the, before Hashem created the world, all there is is Hashem. All there is Hashem. All there is is Hashem. It's creative, it's creative energy, which is an expression of Hashem. There's nothing else. Nothing changed.
it's very hard to wrap our minds around this idea because it's so foreign to our human Western or even Eastern way of looking at things where spirituality is very significant, the soul is very significant, creation is very significant. And we feel that we get closer to Hashem through meditation and through reflection and through philosophy and through religion. The truth is, it's nonsense. You don't get one iota closer to Hashem. We don't even have the ability to get closer. And it's reflected, actually, modern physics is coming closer and closer to this understanding. A few years ago, modern physicists came to the conclusion that the whole known universe is, I think, 4% of the universe. 96% of the universe. It's 94, 96. Not that it makes a big difference. It's not only unknown, we don't have the ability to know. It's not like we happen, it happens to be, we don't know, we don't know it yet. We don't even have the ability to know. It, it's so beyond our scope, so beyond our frame of reference. You know, so it, it puts, it's so humbling, it puts everything into perspective. And that's the universe. Imagine Hashem creating the universe. It's so beyond us. And yet, Hashem gets involved in our personal lives. He wants you to eat a kosher pastrami sandwich. <laughs> Why would Hashem care if I'm eating a kosher pastrami sandwich? Hashem is so busy creating worlds. Hashem is busy with the great things, earth-shattering things, the higher realm of the angels singing. He cares if I eat a, if I eat a kosher pastrami, not a kosher pastrami, the nitty-gritty, the tiny details. But that comes from a Goyesha perspective, from a non-Jewish perspective. Hashem is up there. Hashem is high up. Hashem is... But the physical, the material, the nitty-gritty, the details. Why would Hashem bother? I think Hashem really cares if I... I switch the light on a Shabbos. I don't switch on the light on a Shabbos. God forbid. I do switch on the But that's a whole misunderstanding. You understand? Hashem is so transcendent. Hashem is so beyond... That means that Hashem, Tashem, the tiniest detail is just as significant. Well, the truth is the most earth-shattering thing is really insignificant. But if Hashem is creating it, obviously it must be significant because Hashem chose and is willing and wishes to create this. It means it's monumental. So the tiniest detail to Hashem is monumental significance to Hashem. And whether your pastrami sandwich is kosher or not, Hashem means the whole world. That's Yiddishkeit. That's 613 mitzvot. The code of Jewish law. Specifics. Details. Very detailed. Yes, right, wrong, kosher, not kosher. God is in the details. Because it's real. Hashem, it's real. But from a religious, from a mystical point of view, it doesn't make sense. What do you mean? Big things matter. How I meditate, how I feel... Tiny details, I think God really cares. My behavior, my it really matter. But when you learn this, you realize, yes, <laughs> tiniest detail matters. It's monumental. It's more earth shattering than 
what we think is earth shattering. What we think is earth shattering to Hashem is nothing. Insignificant. What we think is nothing to Hashem is everything. Eat that kosher for strong. <laughs> Which is not good for you. Okay, so it doesn't have to be pastrami. <laughs> turkey. Cook turkey. Eat your kosher cooked turkey. <laughs> right, we, we have to change the analogies, right? <laughs> Updated. And where's the That is the vine problem. The details. The details. Hashem, there's nothing insignificant in Hashem's world. Because if Hashem, so to speak, bothers to create this, at this moment to speak and to wish this being, this incident into existence, if something happens in my life, it means Hashem is creating it at this very moment. If Hashem was so transcendent, so to speak, is bothering to create these circumstances, this detail, this specific, it must be the most significant thing in the world. Everything is filled with meaning. And Hashem is communicating all the time through the street signs everything we encounter everything we experience Hashem is constantly speaking to us and communicating to us giving us personal messages one way <laughs> <laughs> we don't pick it up we have to fine tune our antennas to start picking up the messages but Hashem every detail Hashem is with us every step of the way everything is significant everything is, we don't always understand the significance we don't always correctly interpret the significance but the significance is there. We do believe that everything is divine providence. The tiniest detail is meaningful, fraught with meaning, and there's a divine message. And if Hashem is creating it, there's nothing accidental. There's nothing, well, it's a technical thing. There was no choice, no such thing. Everything has fraught with meaning and significance. So it's not like we're, on the contrary, we're not saying Hashem is remote. When you say Hashem is up there, that's making Hashem remote. Hashem is spirituality. Hashem is bliss. Hashem is heavenly bliss. Why, why bother with the coarse material details when I'm eating, when I'm not eating? How I wash my hands in the morning? The bigger picture. Hashem is the bigger picture. You know, I'm a Jew at heart. My heart is in the right place. Sublime. That sounds like man's concept. Exactly. That's man, that's man creating man, don't, that's creating God in man's image. That's religion, that's all mysticism. At Revelation, Hashem revealed Himself. This week's Parsha, this week's Torah portion. What does Hashem ask? Simple things. Don't murder, don't steal, don't be jealous, don't, don't testify falsely. Honor your parents. This is the great revelation. That's a revelation. This is what Hashem cares about. Our personal life, the details in our life, the small things. This is what's significant. This is what matters to Hashem. It's completely counterintuitive. We would never in a million years ever figure this out. Because this is, only comes from a, a revelation of Hashem's essence, which completely blows away our whole frame of reference, our whole point of view. So when you realize that Hashem is alone, and He's alone, just like He was alone before He created the world, He's alone after He creates the world, and while He's creating the world, because the whole universe, not only the whole universe, the creative energy that's creating the universe is one letter. 
what is one letter in comparison to all the letters we speak in our lifetime? What is a letter? It's a non-event. It's an insignificant nothing. Nothing is added. Nothing happened. Nothing new. Nothing. It's not like Hashem. And now there's Hashem and there's a letter that He spoke. The letter was there before. And while it was there before, it didn't even exist. It was in a state of non-being and non-existence. That is its true state. Even now when Hashem creates the world, our true state is in a state of non-being and non-existence. Hashem's point of view, we are in a state of non-being and non-existence. Not that, not that it's an illusion. But what is our true reality? A state of, just like the letter itself, within Hashem, a state of non-being and non-existence. The analogy of a human being. We were the letters before you spoke the letters, before you thought of these letters. The letters are, come from within you. You thought up of these letters. They're your letters. But before you thought of them, they were within you. You didn't even notice you had these letters. They're there. But they're there in a state of non-being and non-existence. So Hashem's divine creative energy is within Hashem and it's in the state of non-being and non-existence. So the whole universe, everything Hashem created is really, from Hashem's point of view, in a state of non-being and non-existence. It doesn't add anything. It means nothing. It's, it's as if it doesn't exist. Not that it doesn't exist. It doesn't say it doesn't exist. God forbid. He's not saying it's an illusion. Torah is true. Torah says God created the world. It's for real. But it's like in a state of non-being and non-existence. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's not significant. So it's not Hashem is higher. Hashem is above. And we're here. Above and below means there's a relationship. There's no relationship. We don't exist. There's no higher. There's no lower. Hashem is right here. Hashem is immediate. Hashem is right here. Right in front of me. Right within me and all around me. Right here. It's so real and so actual. It's on the contrary. This amplifies and enhances our personal relationship. It's a personal relationship. I am God that took you out of Egypt personally. I got involved in the nitty gritty of your life. And I saved you. And I took you by the arm and took you out with the ten plagues and with all the wonders and I led you in the desert. And the truth is Hashem is leading every one of us right now, this moment, if we open our eyes every step of the way. And we have Parnassah today, it's, it's manna from heaven. <laughs> There's no logical explanation. Our Parnassah today is manna. Hashem is with us every step of the way. This is the Jewish perspective. This is the foundation of Jewish This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.